Today, pro-life activists arrested after turning in bodies of babies they say were illegally aborted, while D.C. authorities refused to perform autopsies. Uh, and also amidst a border crisis, Border Patrol agents instructed to focus on the really important things like using correct pronouns. We have got all of that and more coming up, and it all starts right now. Hey, welcome to the News and Why It Matters. I am Sarah Gonzalez. I am today joined by Blaze TV contributors, both John Doyle, host of Heck Off Commie, and uh, Eric July, host of For Canon's Sake. You should be subscribed to both of these gentlemen. Please. It's true. If I do say so myself. You make good content. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But, well, when you make it. All the time. I never really? stop. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm so This censored. guy's doing like multiple videos a day. Well, of course. Well, he's bought and paid for by the establishment. <laughs> and because I am truly the only dissenting voice in the right wing, they have to censor so much that you don't even see it on YouTube. Well, that's fair. Um, so I want to look, I'm going to go ahead and preface this first conversation uh, with the statement that if you didn't catch it by my intro, um, this particular story is like actually extremely graphic. I don't have the pictures to show because we don't want to get censored off of YouTube, but um, this is a story that there are very graphic details. So if you have any children in the room, anyone who is like extra sensitive, uh, you're probably going to want to remove them or just fast forward depending on whether or not you're watching this live. But um, so over the weekend, uh, pro-life activists were actually, they received a tip from a whistleblower at a Washington clinic uh, that there had been remains of some aborted babies that seemed very peculiar and it appeared that these babies were uh, aborted using illegal measures and procedures. So these bodies, these remains of these babies were turned over to the pro-life organization. This is PAAU, Progressive Anti-Abortion Uprising. And uh, the organization had the, the remains in their possession, uh, called the DC authorities who came in and took the remains of the babies. Now, two things have happened since then, and I want to get into the details of how the babies were found, um, but uh, two things have happened since then. The activists who received the remains from the whistleblower have now, coincidentally, coincidentally, now uh, they have been sent, uh, I'm sorry, they have been uh, arrested in connection with uh, an, an, a charge from October of 2020 that involved obstructing people's uh, ability to go into an abortion clinic. Okay? So that happened after they turned in the remains. Uh, and also the DC police, the DC uh, authorities have refused to perform autopsies on these babies to find out exactly how it was that they died. So I want to go into uh, these particular details. They are very gruesome. Um, and I, I will say this. I do think John and I were having this conversation off air. I do think that it is important that these photos be seen by people. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and tweet out the link where people can view these and send them to those who may be saying that uh, people are not aborting fully formed babies. Um, but for now, let's just go over these. Baby boy number one 
was in the third trimester, near term, uh, and uh, appears to have been delivered mostly intact without evidence of dismemberment. And it is difficult to say how his life ended. The person uh, making this, this uh, uh, looking at this says he looks about the same size as my granddaughter when she was born, 30 to 32 weeks. Baby girl number one is in the late second or early third trimester and is larger than most of the babies that this particular person has cared for in the NICU. Likely had a decent chance of survival at this gestational stage and age. Uh, deep lacerations to the posterior neck which presumably correlates to the method of abortion and uh, used to end her life. This was uh, the, the incision at the base of the skull and the head had been decompressed by removing the brain. So just, again, partial birth abortion, not supposed to be legal. Uh, and here we have all of these, these infants, these babies, and we don't know exactly how they died. And DC authorities apparently don't want to find out. Uh, baby girl number two appears to be between 26 to 28 weeks gestation. And this baby was aborted through a dilation and evacuation dismemberment abortion. So she has evidence of both dismemberment of her upper extremity, decapitation, and organ evisceration as the result of this procedure. Baby X, uh, it's not possible to, deter to determine the sex of baby X because it's still intact in the amniotic sac, but probably in the late second or early trimester. And they think that this baby actually may have been born alive in the amniotic sac and left to die. So um, really difficult to even talk about. Very, very difficult. Again, I'm going to warn you, I will tweet out where you can find the pictures of these, um, but they are going to haunt you for a very long time. Um, unfortunately, I'm, I think that that is what some people are going to need in order to understand that this is happening to fully formed babies. This is not just a cell. This is not just a parasite, as some leftists like to say. It's just a parasite that uh, is in your body that you can get rid of at any time. Like These are fully formed babies, and they have unspeakable things that are happening to them. And the D.C. police uh, are not looking to perform any autopsies, are not looking to investigate this any further. And on top of that, the pro-life organization organization who received these remains from a whistleblower, uh, the people in that organization are now, again, coincidentally enough, uh, being arrested for completely different uh, charges. Gentlemen. Yeah, I've attended pro-life demonstrations before where some activists will actually hold signs up with photographs that are similar to this, and they'll even receive pushback from people on their side, and they'll say, well, you know, we shouldn't be showing these photographs. What if children walk by? Or, you know, we should be able to make our argument without having to appeal to emotion. And it's like, you know, when you abandon all these concepts of good and evil because we think that we've transcended past that, or you abandon the concept of, like, God because you think you've transcended past that, and then you see photographs like this, which really break through all of the language of, oh, it's a woman's right to choose. Shoes, it's mm -hmm. my body and things like that. Mm -hmm. It becomes really difficult to ignore child sacrifice when you see it. And I often imagine like what it was like for the conquistadors coming over into Latin America and being met with like a literal death cult that was sacrificing babies to like demonic entities and they were sacrificing humans and ripping hearts out and things like that. They're walking across these temples that are lined with bones and skulls. And I imagine being one of those conquistadors and just being like, wow, everything in my Bible is like literally correct. Like you live over in Spain, that's one thing, but you come over to what an actual death cult looks like and it's a completely different thing. And that's exactly what this is. And the left has always been a death cult because they reject the idea of God. And so even if you ask them, well, 
how can your life have any meaning if there's no God? Well, they'll say, well, the life, uh, the meaning of my life is because I know that it's all over after this is to just have as much fun as I can while I'm here. And so that's that hedonistic lifestyle. They view life as not something unique that was gifted to us, but is basically like this checklist. Mm -hmm. And I have all these fun things I want to do and I have to check it off. And that's why they justify things like this because the baby's life is inconvenient to them. And they'll say, because they know it sounds selfish. Well, no, it's, you know, the mother's life might be in jeopardy. What if she was raped? Like they'll pull the, oh, what if she was raped? And then also like was going to die because of it? All these like very just extreme hypotheticals because they really just want to rationalize what they know it is, which is a selfish action. They're sacrificing their child at the altar of self-worship. And it's particularly dangerous because at least 600 years ago, they were, you know, murdering somebody but now they are getting inside the mother's head and whispering into her ear to convince her to do it for uh, herself and to sacrifice the baby. And it's really this inverted idea of like what Christ did for us, which was this is my body, I give it up for you. Inverting that to this is my body, my choice, and so I'm sacrificing this baby so I can like what, get a STEM degree or something and work at a desk? Yeah, I, I wanna, Eric, I wanna get your thoughts, but I wanna touch on something, John, that you just said that I really take uh, a lot of issue with, and I think the left has been very successful at uh, portraying it to be this way. Way, which is when we're talking about late-term abortion and they say, well, I mean, what if, what if the mother's life is in jeopardy? And when you look at the actual way that late-term abortion is performed, if the mother's life were in jeopardy and if it were some sort of emergency situation in like literally all times, it is way safer and way quicker to deliver the baby alive than it is for her to, in, you know, ingest a substance, wait for the baby to die, do whatever they need to do. Like all of those things take way longer. This is a process that would take days and having a baby, you induce labor and you have the baby way quicker or you have an emergency C-section, which is way quicker than any of the other methods. So it's just like, I, I it kills me that they are able to still use this language like well and of course they talk on the heartstrings right they're like well but you don't want the mom to die that's not fair and it's like no but the best thing that you could do for her if that was actually happening is to have her deliver the baby alive she's going to deliver the baby either way uh, at this point she's going to deliver it alive or deliver it dead and that's the other thing too that no one really talks about is oftentimes what's really selfish about it is they literally would rather kill the baby mm -hmm. than have a child be born that is theirs and then be separated from it. Mm -hmm. So like if they go through with that and they have the child and it's put up for adoption, they don't like that. They're like, well, I'm not going to have a child and have it not be mine. So they literally would rather kill that child, that life that they've created, than to actually um, have it born and then be not involved in their life. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, Correct. I think with the subject, what we've seen is people have given way too much credit to folks and paid too much, uh, gave them, giving them way too much leeway for making very terrible arguments, but we look at it from the perspective of, well, that's just their opinion, mm -hmm. instead of looking at it and rejecting it in its entirety. Now, if you talk to them, if you looked at what, let's say, is the standard in terms of their language and the type of language they use to describe what this, what's happening in, in a general abortion, you'd think that this type of stuff doesn't happen at all, right? It's like non-existent. Right. Um, now you have just one clinic alone, and let's say these numerous examples of it, of course your mind then goes to how many other instances are, is this sort of happening? But what's happened is just culturally, definitely in the West, for whatever reason, they've protecting the sort of sanctity of, of, of be it having a child or children in general has been long rejected, but it's solely because we've allowed them to control the conversation with this particular subject. So when they said my body, my choice, you had other people, including folks that are even on my side of the political aisle with, with um, you know, being, let's say, libertarian, 
and looked at it like, well, in this hyper individualistic stance, and I'm all about individualism. But when you see, for example, the pictures, you're dealing with another individual that's there. Mm -hmm. And this is why you have those pro pro life sort of libertarians that advocate for such. Because when you see something like that, you can't deny that that is another human being. That is another um, individual that they are taking the life of. So they had to, however, control the conversation. I don't for once believe and I don't know about you guys, but I certainly don't for once believe that the folks that advocate for this type of stuff don't know that this is a thing. I just think that they're evil pieces of crap, for lack of better terms. And I think that they are motivated as such. And I think some of these people and I think we've seen this over the last, let's say, year with the even with the whole Disney thing that I really do believe that these folks get off mm. on this type of evil bullcrap like that as in i argue that some of them seem to do it or rather at least advocate that it be done out of spite because they know that you see you talk about tugging on the heartstrings or rather it makes you feel some kind of way when you see pictures like that mm. i think they actually get off on seeing folks frustrated and when you see that they don't seem that they're like robots man they don't even really as they're advocating for something so egregious they don't seem to have an not an emotional not a rational emotional sense as to what's actually taking place they parade around jiggling bojangling and gyrating down the street advocating for this and you see that like it's just another human being that that, that we're dealing with but they're like detached like it's not even that i think they know that but they're so evil that they'd rather us have this roundtable discussion and it'd be very difficult for us to discuss it, mm. but they know that it's getting at their politically and ideological enemies. Um, and, and that's more so what this is about. But what we've done too often and what got us in this position as we gave them too much credit, as if it was any sort of reason being, you know, sort of introduced into this conversation that these people were literally advocating for killing of babies. And even when we would use that type of language, they'd act like, well, you're being disingenuous, so you're the one being textbook gaslighting, or you're being dishonest. You're being dis, uh, 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 disingenuous by, by suggesting that this is a child in the first place. But again, well, look at those, those particular photos, and you can't deny that that's exactly what that is. So, John, do you think, uh, I'm just curious, Eric mentioned, you just think they're all evil. I think people Do you think that, they're... all right, so I will leave room that there are people naive enough to listen okay. to these folks, but I think these like honchos that are really leading a charge, right. charge of the advocacy, they know good and damn well what it is that they're doing. I would imagine you would agree with that. Yeah, he also, he made a really good point there about how they get off on it. Something that people often ignore, which is interesting because our culture shifted so much towards like almost uh, having this weird romanticizing of like serial killers and like true crime stories and podcasts. People forget that a lot of what has driven like the most notorious serial killers, John Wayne Gacy in particular, is like a sexual drive. Like they were fetishizing, like sexually assaulting like corpses and doing weird things like that and like, you know, the, the murder part of it was something that like really turned them on. And I think that what we're dealing with is largely this like really just twisted revenge of the nerds type fantasy where you have all these people, whether they're these like just disgusting, dysgenic people, and I'm not bullying them for that, but if like you look at the Antifa mugshots, I mean, it's just true. These people are like the genetic rejects of the world and they're in despair. 
And so they hate that which is normal. And what is more normal than couples getting together and having children? That's why they go to these demonstrations and they'll take abortion pills in front of people, literally to wave it in their face. Like, yeah. ha I'm doing something wrong and I know it gets to you mm -hmm. because any power that they can have over us, they're going to try to exercise, which is why they'll even look at something like a, a photo of a family from the 1950s, like in black and white, nuclear family, mom, dad, two kids, and they'll just be so angry with this photo that they'll get on Twitter and be like, uh, well, the dad was probably secretly gay and also abusing the wife and the daughter was probably addicted to pills and killed herself and they have to like just invent these fantasies of how something that we all know maybe we quite can't articulate why something that we all know is like pretty wholesome mm -hmm. and was more representative of an ideal America and they just can't have that and so they have to just invent why it's so evil the same way how it's like well maybe you just shouldn't kill babies they're like well that's actually oppressive because then I can't like you know be single and drink wine and watch Netflix yeah it is so just to I know we've got to wrap up here but just to put into perspective how screwed up things are right now. Um, again, DC medical examiner says they are not going to perform any autopsy right now, unless maybe they're given new information, as if the information and the remains that they have isn't enough. So that's happening at the same time that uh, these activists are being arrested for, quote, obstructing patients and providers of a reproductive health services facility. So you obstruct someone's ability to go in and kill someone, and you are brought up on charges. Uh, you are actually literally killing babies and potentially criminally, even though D.C. has like very lax abortion laws. Uh, even then, potential criminal activity regarding babies, and they don't want to investigate or do any sort of autopsy. Um, it's disgusting. Uh, again, if you guys want to um, have access to those photos, uh, I will go ahead and tweet out the, the article where you have the link to them. Uh, first, we want to, well, we've got more to come. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Moink Box. So Moink is going to give you, if you guys like meat, I feel I, I'm, I'm sitting with two of the manliest men <laughs> that I know. It's true. If, you're a, if you are a manly man, you like your meat, Moink is going to give you access to the freshest, sustainably sourced meat and fish. Uh, by the way, all while supporting American Family Farm, so you can help save the family farm and get access to this awesome meat when you join the Moink movement. So they have grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, all sorts of meats and fishes that you can imagine. Um, and Moink Farmers Farm like our grandparents did. So this moink meat tastes like it should. It's not going to include all the disgusting additives, all the disgusting things that uh, big farms do before they send it to the grocery stores. They're dipping their chickens in chlorine. It's very disgusting. So with moink, they have a difference that you can taste and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent. You choose the meat delivered in every box, so whatever you like, ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, uh, and you can cancel anytime. Our family loves Moink. We have it every week. As I've said before, my son is literally obsessed with their bacon. They have the very best bacon along with all of their other meats. You can keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com news. You're going to get a, a free filet mignon for a year. This is one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste. You got to go there. It's for a limited time only. It is M-O-I-N-K box.com news. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy uh, said yesterday that Joe Biden is hell-bent on destructive border policies. 
like ending Title 42. He tweeted out that endanger our country and communities. House Republicans will continue to fight for a secure border. That is why I will be leading another trip to our southern border later this month. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Republicans actually do, because as we've known uh, previously, they're usually all talk and no bite and not actually willing to do the work to actually like follow through and execute uh, doing anything. But of course, this came after uh, Biden's, Biden's administration announced that they have plans to roll back Title 42. This is, of course, the uh, Trump era policy that allows Border Patrol agents to turn away migrants at the border. Um, of course, they said it was to help stop the spread of COVID. Um, so Biden plans to go ahead and roll that back. This, of course, comes at a time where the border crisis continues to worsen uh, down at the southern border. And let me just tell you, the Border Patrol agents under Joe Biden's administration are taking it very, very seriously because uh, now they have a new edict. This is a memorandum to uh, all of the staff over there that says that uh, they need to make sure to use proper pronouns for LGBTQI plus 1A2 uh, migrants. So <laughs> just, you know, we're letting people in. Uh, previously, when COVID was actually a thing, I, I would argue that it's not a thing now, but when it actually was a thing, we were still letting them in. Not, not testing them, or if they tested and they tested positive, still releasing them into the communities when we were being told that we needed to shut down and wear masks. But here, um, even with that not being a thing anymore, uh, we don't know who they are. We don't know if they are, uh, you know, traffickers. We don't know if they have drugs. Uh, we don't know if they are just horrible people who are going to, to commit crimes. But don't care about that. Just make sure that you use gender-neutral language uh, and an individuals self-identify pronouns and names. So it's good to know that the Biden administration is really paying attention to the really important things in our country and at our southern borders. Yeah, I feel like things like that are designed much more to humiliate people like us and much less to actually change the behavior of migrants or Border Patrol. Well, actually, no, Border Patrol, yes, because my belief is that if you're involved in Border Patrol, you're probably a bit more inclined to actually care about the state of the country than the average person. And it's like now you have to be like, what are your pronouns? Because you're, you're probably not buying into that. Because Hispanic people that are migrating over here, I mean, they come from a country that has a language that uses masculine and feminine pronouns to describe, like, you know. And the white people are trying to, to make it an X? Yeah, it's exactly. Not, it's not so happening. They're going to be like, uh, hello, sir, what are your pronouns? Like, what are you talking about, gringo? <laughs> like, he's yeah. not going to care yeah. about that. Yeah. And so it's just about getting, like, people are working at the border to just be like, I guess this is what we're doing now. And it's like, I don't understand how he can say that in confidence. I mean, we gave $14 billion to Ukraine, and they were all unanimously there to do that, to defend their border. Their border. Which, mm -hmm. again, is a border that is young enough to where my dad can go, oh, yeah, I remember when that was established. Whereas our border, they wanted, like, what, $4 billion to secure and then they wouldn't do that. So I don't understand why anybody takes these people seriously. I hope that they don't because it's like they don't actually exist to represent American patriots. They exist to basically manage the decline. The only thing worse than the enemy is the traitor. Like if I sell you a pen that doesn't work or I sell you like a pair of shoes that weren't actually in AOC's office, like your, your life is not affected on the day-to-day -day very much. But if I'm selling you hope or false advocacy, that is very, very dangerous because you need that volume to be filled with competent and genuine people, but ours isn't and it hasn't mm -hmm. been for decades. Yeah. Eric. Look, man, every time we talk about like border or, you know, the immigration subject, it just really I don't know what it's going to take, particularly with the southern states like Texas right now. I say there's someone who's lived at the at the border um, for a decent amount of time in my life. And 
it's just bizarre. I don't know for me, maybe it's just the decentralization in me that we have this conversation with an entity that's way to hell in Washington, right? Or the Biden administration. And we're having this mm -hmm. conversation about, well, they should be the ones that dick to me it's just as insane as dictating what the hell Ukraine's doing. Granted, yeah, you're in the same damn damn country or whatever, and you're trying to subsidize it in whatever way. But the fact that you have, and this is why I don't this whole lip service thing that Republicans play doesn't mean anything yeah. to me. Because until they actually to me, are like, you know what, we're going to legitimately tell the federal government in this capacity to go screw themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to hear anything it is that they're talking about. Well, but, they don't want to fix the problem. They just want to campaign off of it. Well, exactly. And this is why and we've said this. I think they were, I want to say just as I hate to do this whole oh, both parties are equal because they're not. Um, they're different in, in certain certainly different ways. But to that aspect, which is exactly what I was about to bring up, you see a lot of similarity to how kind of leftists take care of like black issues and all that like do they actually want to solve these problems of course not because then they wouldn't have anything to run on mm. uh despite them sort of leading the charge on whatever effort it is that it is so it seems like every other month some like texas republicans like oh we're gonna we're gonna do this and we care so much about our our, our the, the texas and and we don't want these infiltrators to do all this and that and then at the end of the day it's like whoever's in washington's like yeah we're gonna do whatever mm -hmm. it is that we want or we're not gonna aid you in whatever capacity and then they listen to them like well we're still gonna we're gonna do whatever it is that they want at what how long does the charade have to keep up for people to actually start valuing that approach as in which from all accounts, that's what your beloved founders wanted in the first damn place. What is it actually going to take? Or are we going to continue to just support, I don't know, Republicans for whatever reason and say, hey, well, not we, not me. I'm right. saying y'all uh, right. more so like so. So what is the solution? Uh, certainly to that. That reminds me, too, of our earlier conversation about uh, good and evil, because it's like there's this thing that people with IQs of like 104 like to do to make themselves feel very intelligent, where if we look at what these people are doing, well, like these people are evil, they'll say, actually, um, you know, Hanlon's or Occam's razor, I forget which ones, like never attribute to malice what can be adequately mm. explained by incompetence. And it's like if they were incompetent, they would probably apologize. You know, I spilled 32 ounces of iced coffee upstairs last week. Oh, no. I felt so bad about it. That was incompetence. And I apologize. For, I was like, you know what? That was not supposed to happen. And it did. I'm sorry. These people have never apologized for anything. Mm -hmm. So I think it can actually be adequately explained by malevolence, especially because these are not complicated things. It's not like oh, we're just really we're up all night at the drawing board. Like, how do we secure the border? This thing that people have done for centuries. They're choosing not to. And then they're just like, oh, well, we're going to do it. They are lying because they're selling us out and they make a lot of money doing it. And when things finally pop off, they're going to be in their gated communities and we're going to have this sort of like extreme economy where it's like Brazil, where you're going to either be living in the slums or you're going to be in the gated community with private security. And that's where we're headed because the dollar could collapse now because of these people, which is epic. I, so I, I like that you were bringing that up, John, because it's not just that they're pretending like they're trying to figure out a solution to securing the border. They're also literally spending taxpayer money to try to figure out why migrants are trying to come here. Yeah, and no, it's like, because you're promising them everything for free. Yeah, their entire <laughs> they? like, overriding ambition is to make enough money by lying to the American people to escape the consequences of what they allow to happen. And it's just disgusting. That's why I texted my mom the other day, actually, after that accident that I witnessed. And she was like, oh, be careful. And I was like, I'm going to be very careful. I have to live long enough to see the restoration of this country. Donald Trump <laughs> is going to become king. And we're going to hold a military parade in D.C. And then as 
1812 Overture and fireworks roar in the background. We're going to line up every member of Congress on the National Mall, and we're going to tickle them because... <laughs> I don't know where you thought I was going with that. We're going to tickle them to humiliate them because right. being it's like they don't want it to happen, yet they're mm -hmm. laughing. They look ridiculous. They mm -hmm. can't control it. And I think that's what's necessary to bring these people down to the level of the common man and make them feel as though they really do have to advocate for us. Yeah, tickling. I'm sure that that's what you meant. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's get to let's get more into what's going on with Joe and Hunter Biden when we come back. Last week, the mainstream media finally reported about uh, Hunter Biden's indiscretions. He, they said that a federal grand jury has heard testimony in recent months about Hunter Biden's income, payments he received while serving on the board of a Ukraine energy company, and that uh, this grand jury activity underscores that a federal tax investigation into Hunter Biden that began in 2018 remains active as prosecutors continue to examine foreign payments and other aspects of his finances. We know that um, his uh, his baby mama of the, now this is of the child that the Bidens refuse to acknowledge in any of their press conferences or anything else. I know she has been asked uh, to disclose financial activities related to Hunter Biden as well. So the prosecutors are doing digging. Now, uh, Ron Klain, Biden chief of staff Ron Klain, was asked about this uh, yesterday on ABC News. And he says, yeah, Joe is, Joe is confident Hunter Biden didn't cross any ethical lines because, you know, we know him to be a very ethical person. Watch. The Washington Post also reported this week on deals that Hunter Biden had with a Chinese energy company paid $4.8 million to entities controlled by Hunter and the president's brother. Is the president confident his family didn't cross any ethical lines? Uh, George, the president is confident that his uh, family did the right thing. But again, I want to just be really clear. These are actions by uh, Hunter and his brother. They're private matters. They don't involve the president. And they certainly are something that no one at the White House is involved in. They don't involve the president. So there was no, what was it, 10% for the big guy? Was it was it 10 percent? Like yeah, for the big guy. Definitely the big guy was not Joe. These, of course, investigations do not involve the president, uh, except that I don't believe that Hunter had any experience uh, serving on these boards that he was receiving all of this money. I'm not quite sure why Ukraine and China would want to do business with Hunter Biden. Uh, what a, accomplishment does he have? That right. Puts him in that position. Uh, an, an addict, a drug user, uh, just an all around horrible person. Yet he received all of these all of these positions and all of this money. And we're supposed to believe that uh, this is look, this doesn't have anything to do with Joe Biden, guys. Yeah, and recently with the laptop story too, like the media basically had to update their their old response mm -hmm. to that, which was, this is a conspiracy theory, this isn't true by saying it's like- Russian disinformation, oh, right? Well, yeah, I guess this is the case, isn't it? And Republicans feel very smug right now. Like, I, I think I even saw a tweet from Kevin McCarthy where he was like, told you so, mm, told you so, we're very right. And it's like, this kind of calls back to, I think what's referred to as the uh, the Sir Galahad theory of politics, this idea that we will win because our heart is pure. And it's like, right. no, because now they're in control of literally everything. Mm -hmm. And they're like waving it in your face. Like, oh yeah, you were right about that, but it doesn't matter because no one believes you anyway. And we'll just like, you know, issue a little retraction. Like, oh yeah, but it'll get no, no coverage at all. And so- 
Republicans think that they're like actually winning or something because we turned out to be vindicated. And it really does kind of get back to that idea of the false advocacy because it's like we're losing everything and then we're here, we're freaked out at our panel discussion, like we're losing our whole country. And then these people who have been in Congress for like a decade and somehow they've accumulated millions and millions of dollars, they drive by in their luxury sedan and they're like, hey, you know what? If we're going to lose, at least we're doing it with principles. And then they drive <laughs> off and then you're just like, my factory closed. I can't afford to buy eggs. And they're like, hey, it's about principles. And they just drive away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, can I have some of the principles, please? Right. Like, are you are you taking guests in your house, Senator Cruz? I don't think so. <laughs> Eric. Well, this is the the thing. I mean, like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. we being vindicated and obviously being right. These this isn't the only subject matter. I mean, hell, you look at the last two years. You look at all the COVID stuff that started as a conspiracy and then end up being completely correct. And the folks that say perpetuated the narrative, nothing happened to them at all. And of course, with this, something like this, I expect him to say exactly what it is he say. He wanted to make sure he made that distinction for for a reason, because this is the president's son. This is a literal crackhead who <laughs> is um, in this sort of position that he probably shouldn't be in. And then when you looked at some of those, whether it be the texts or emails, or, it seems like they're can't really confirm, but allegedly, maybe I guess you had to say that legally, the yeah. big guy might be. Um, and it would make all the sense in the world if it was his father. But this isn't necessarily unlike anything that we've seen in politics, be it historically in America or abroad, where they have other people do the moving and shaking mm -hmm. for them so they can't criminalize uh, certainly themselves. It doesn't mean that there's something uh, or there isn't something unethical going on. It just means that they're doing what they need to do to cover the tracks. So, yeah, you look at it to, to your point, like you look at something like this and it's like, well, we were all right. Now what? Mm -hmm. I'd been saying the same thing about the COVID stuff. It's like, yeah, we were correct. Right. CDC um, uh, director literally lied to the American people about a sub like lit on tape, mm -hmm. bold face lying to the camera about what this jab did. And then it turned out not that long after the fact, she said that, well, it doesn't do that. Nothing happened to her. Mm -hmm. Fauci. <laughs> Nothing happened to this right. man. So at that point, it's like, okay, I, I get it. We can gripe and moan on what, what is the actual solution. Certainly to that, I guess, is a little more difficult. But people have to stop being in this mindset that the enemy plays by the same set of morals and ethics that you play on. This is a mistake that non-leftists, I'll say whoever's on the non-leftist side of the spectrum, has made for decades where they apply their own set of traits and attributes onto their enemy. So while we may value principle, while we may value being uh, reasonable, the other people don't, mm -hmm. which is why they can hang with the tail out and it doesn't even matter as goofy as they look, it doesn't even matter, as stupid as they might be, and it's like it doesn't even impact them because they don't abide by the same set of rules and morals and rather more so ethical standards it is that, that we uphold. So it's a difficult thing to navigate, but it makes sense why I, you know, a lot of folks on the show that watch our show is like, man, I look at Eric's personal content, he's always cussing people out, he's making fun of them, he's laughing at them, he's calling them names. I'm more effective doing that than I am trying to reason yeah. with this weirdo yeah. because I can't. You cannot reason a person out of a position that they got to by way of emotion. So all of these people that knew they were wrong or, or now maybe will accept that they're wrong. They're like, well, what are they going to do about it? Because they remember they're the they're the ones that that don't act like that. We'll go burn your city down. We'll go do all of those uh, acts of commit all these acts of aggression and nothing happen. But y'all don't do that. So. 
you know, what's going to happen? Nothing. Yeah. He's so right about that, too, because conservatives will get on Facebook.com for 18 hours a day and be like, the left thinks that anyone can compete in any sport, and they don't know what bathroom to use, and they think it's okay to kill babies. They're so stupid, and it's like, but they're winning. So right. what does that say about you? Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. Uh, all great points. By the way, just j- j- let's just do a check-in with Joe. He is, of course, the leader of our country. Let's see how he's doing over the weekend when he uh, referred to Michelle Obama as vice president. Watch. And I'm deeply proud of the work she's doing as first lady with joining forces initiative. She started with Michelle Obama when she was vice president and now carries on. Hmm. I don't. Look, I don't have a great memory, but I don't seem to remember her being vice president. Well, I think the connection there is him remembering that he was vice president with the Obamas and not being able to tell the difference between Barack and Michelle Obama. I don't want to unearth an old conspiracy theory. However, I am issuing a reward. $10,000 if you can find me a photograph of Michelle Obama pregnant. And with that being said, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has uh, now become the largest individual shareholder of Twitter. Uh, He purchased a 9% stake in Twitter Incorporated to become the company's largest shareholder. This was after he started raising questions about uh, the company's adherence to free speech. And here's, here's one poll that he tweeted out. Free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle, 70% of people said no. He also started, uh, oh, he says, the consequences of this poll will be important. Please vote carefully. And he started questioning, should I create my own uh, social media platform that values free speech? What should I do? Just kind of throwing feelers out there. And (laughs) uh, then there you have it. He now is the largest individual shareholder of Twitter. Uh, By the way, Twitter stock surged 20%. Uh, before the market opened on Monday as news of this acquisition broke. I feel very vindicated. You know, when I started in my journey as a right-wing e-boy, I had a laptop (laughs) with a Tesla sticker on it, which I still have. And I remember getting a lot of like, oh, oh yeah, and people, why do you like Elon Musk? You know, he likes transhumanism with Neuralink, and, you know, he's for electric cars. Those are anti-American. And I was just telling people, trust the plan. And now you look at this guy, he's the richest man in the world, and I detected this, you know. I was like, this guy's kind of autistic. He at least is sympathetic to us. He doesn't really get on board with all this woke stuff. I think he's our guy. And now he's going to buy Twitter and get my Twitter account back for me. (laughs) So I trusted the plan. This is the greatest investment I've ever made. Yeah, I'm more so interested in the CE, because this is a big deal. Now, I don't know how in the world, I don't know if he liquefied his assets or whatever, considering that basically all of his money is in Tesla. So he would have had to liquefy them pretty fast and then, I guess, purchase the, the um, what was it, almost $3 billion, if mm-hmm. I'm not yeah, uh, mistaken. Yeah, just under $3 billion. That's a lot of whatever. Um, not going to get into, into all that. 73.5 million shares. All right. That, that it's, look, then if it's something, I don't know what shady bull crap is going on. I don't particularly care, to be honest, because I know that this means that there's going to be a conflict between what's going on in Twitter because now he at least has some sort of... Of, of say and for that to happen people need to understand this happened within a week like that poll was on like the 25th I yeah. remember him him uh, that because I don't follow him but I saw that on my timeline of people sharing it out 
Uh, the only part I take issue with is he's talking about a functioning democracy. And I was like, oh, I don't want one of those um, <laughs> at all. But, you know, this is why you got to kind of define your terms when you use them. But whatever. Elon Musk seems to be at least one of the guys that's in like the billionaire among the billionaire class. It's not about him being on our side. It's more so that he's at least he at least is different from what you think of as the other guys. It's more so it is. Now, it doesn't mean that he's like on the complete other side yeah. of, let's say, the Soros of the world. No, it's just to say that at least, and he seems to be in action, and it seems to be even the people that he's that have made enemies of him, like they saw this. I saw Twitter going wild, like, oh, I don't, I don't like this, or because look, that's their control. Their control, the left's control, is all about perceived legitimacy, mm -hmm. and they had been able to do that through different forms of social media, different forms of, uh, of entertainment that they now control. They didn't start that way necessarily, but they now control. And so it's neither here nor there how, how it necessarily got there. They're winning and they got control. So when someone threatens that, which is why I've been such an advocate of like alternatives and people rerouting their focus, or maybe in this sense where you got someone that kind of, you know, kicks the hornet's nest a, a little bit, they understand that that's a threat to their power. Because, yeah, it's fake. It, it's, it's perceived. But to be fair, that's all it is that they have. Mm. Like we've been mentioning earlier in earlier segments, it's not like they have the greatest ideas or whatever they say or what rather do comes into fruition. And now we're going to be this ever so prosperous nation. I don't believe that. Hell, to be fair, I don't think they actually believe that. Yeah. But if, if we keep going this route of people coming up with alternatives, people kicking the hornets, I think that's going to be that's going to that's going to help in terms of uh, of liberty. Uh, but they know that. And they're going to do everything they can in terms of keeping tabs on it because they don't have anything after this is gone. So I want to ask. So, John, you've said trust the plan and yeah, you think Elon's Patriots your guy. OK, but well, let me just ask you, because I think that the conservatives have a real problem. Uh, they see someone who has influence, who shares like one of their ideas. And they're like, they're, re they're red pilled. We're I'm red pilling insulted. them. And it's like, no, we're not. We might agree on free speech, right? But like, also he like, again, electric cars right. and stuff like that. So, so this climate is like, change. This is like what they do when, you know, Nicki Minaj comes out as being, yeah. Yeah. So that, I agree with that. But Elon Musk, I mean, it's not like he's really, like he's taking a, a, de um, a definitive stance on like the free speech issue. That's great. But his conduct, his conduct suggests to me that he's like secretly correct on a lot of opinions that he's not voicing. And you can mm. tell this by the memes that he shares. Memes criticizing the sort of like manufactured herd consensus by the media. Memes criticizing all sorts of different things. And it's like, you really just have to wonder, you know, what this guy's thinking about. Because I think that his brain is really uh, sophisticated and I think he's always thinking about things. And even if, you know, someone like Nicki Are Minaj... Are you saying is, Nicki Minaj is not always thinking about things? Uh, that, that is more or less what I'm <laughs> okay. saying, yes. And even if he's not 100% on the issues, if the richest man in the world is, like Eric said, at least sympathetic to us and yeah. kind of recognizes that the biggest threats uh, to the world are kind of the biggest threats to us too, and even with the free speech issue, the left isn't having to worry about that. So he can pallet it to the masses like, oh, free speech is important. He knows who that's really like targeting. He knows who's actually being shut down and who actually isn't. So yeah, I'm trusting the plan. Uh, Eric, we got about 30 seconds yeah. if you want to. Well, no, uh, to, to piggyback on that, like that's why he did this. If you looked into it, like he had some powwow with like the, I can't remember if it was the SEC or, or whoever mm -hmm. it was. 
where he got in trouble, where they were wanting him to, because of his influence, to vent his tweets yeah. that would happen. And he took issue kind of with that. So that's where all of this sort of stems from, is that it didn't impact him. So, like, I think at minimum we can concede that he's at least, he at least doesn't seem to hate folks that are on our side, like the other certainly group of billionaires do. And just from a strategic standpoint, you can uh, at least appreciate from what I do, like, the, just the hornet's nest getting kicked. Yeah. That's, I appreciate that. For sure. Uh, all right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Hey, you and Trump. So I was just talking to uh, the CEO of our company, and he told me that I had permission to share with you guys that um, YouTube actually demonetized our entire Blaze TV uh, account um, because of, in part, because of something that was said on this particular program. Um, they deemed it COVID misinformation and our account got in a lot of trouble and is a whole big thing. So point being in telling you guys this is that we're in their crosshairs and we don't know that today could be our last day on YouTube. We have no idea when that's going to happen, but that is why you need to make sure that you are subscribed to us on audio podcasts, okay? Go over to where you got your audio podcast, subscribe, uh, rate and review the news and why it matters. It will help more people be able to find it. Maybe throw in a, like, hey, we don't like you, YouTube. I almost said something that was going to get me censored by someone else, and then that was going to be more trouble that I was going to get into. <laughs> so we're just problem children over here at the News and Why It Matters, but show your support for us by leaving us a review. You may see it read live on air like the one today from Rob T. Dog, who says, the news and why it's important. Amen. Great show, Sarah, to awesome guests. Keep up the good job. We appreciate it. Rob T. Dog. make sure to get your reviews in and make sure, as we're talking about disappearing at any time, that you subscribe to Blaze TV. You can save a little money. Money, I can't speak today when you use promo code NEWS. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.